Listen to ESPN 1420 live on your desktop or mobile device via our mobile app and in connected cars and on smart speakers. Brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette, a town square media station. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Going up on a Friday, a football Friday. But we're also going to talk plenty of hoops this morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show, everybody. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Gus Kattengale coming up in about 10 minutes. Eric Mouton, former Raging Cajun point guard from back in the day. He's going to join me in studio in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk some hoops, some football, some high school football. Ascension Episcopal uh, in action tonight in the playoffs. A lot of playoff games tonight. You got 19 teams in and around the Acadiana area still alive in the high school football playoff. A lot of games we're going to get into. That is uh, that is coming your way a little bit later. I want to open up the show about the game last night at the Cajun Dome. Uh, Louisiana Rage Cajun women's basketball fell to LSU seventy to forty one. Cajuns now two and one on the season. LSU two and one. But you know, I, it was from a game standpoint. I mean, LSU was more physical, uh, a lot more physical, and the rest were letting them play uh, is one way to put it. And they they the second quarter just too many turnovers. I mean, it was ten ten late in the first. LSU outscored UL twenty to four in the second quarter. Um, and early on, it was kind of rough in the first quarter. LSU was one of nine to start. UL was turning it over a lot, a lot of turnovers. Um, and you know, it, it, it kind of snowballed from there. The second half, you know, UL was never able to go on a run like they did against Rice and, and LSU, you know, 70 to, to 41, 10, 10 after the first, but, uh, 30 to 14 at halftime, 70 to 41, the final. But I think it was about the crowd. 2,711 at the Cajun Dome for women's basketball game was great. Uh, I know some fans were, I, I, I was there. I didn't go to a concession stand. Some fans were upset. They only had one concession stand open. And that's, that's ridiculous on the part of the Cajun Dome. Um, who else playing LSU? But getting back to the crowd. I asked Coach Broadhead about it last night, and uh, he kind of, you know, responded to, to the question, but also just kind of shared his thoughts. You'll hear some some stuff that Kim Mulkey told us as well, but here's my question to Gary last night. What a crowd like that means to him for a women's basketball game at the Cajun Dome. 2,711 was the attendance tonight, Coach. Just, again, how did you feel about, I guess, the energy at the start of the game and the, and the crowd tonight? Yeah, I think it was good. You know, I, you know, it's anytime you're going to get a crowd like that for 
a women's game here in Lafayette, uh, I think it's good for the sport. You know, for me, you know, it's like I'm not really. Uh, I mean, I love the university and all that, but it, uh, to me, it's not just being. It's not just winning at UL. It's winning throughout the state. You know, I, I walked in on Kim in the locker room by mistake uh, tonight, and we got a chance to talk uh, before the game a lot, and we both agree that you know. We here, and you know, we're in, you know toward the career that we've been. I mean, I've been doing it a while. She's been doing it a while. Uh, you know, you, you start to say it's not about wins. You know, it's about how you're going to grow the sport, and then how you're going to affect these kids. You know, I think that, that out of everybody's mind is what, how are we affecting Ty? You said that's going to be a nurse one day. You know, because she's able to come back, and all, all those things are important to me. And uh, you know, it was, it was great to be able to talk to her for about ten minutes and. You know, she felt the same way that she came back to Louisiana to help grow Louisiana. To, you know, you know, we get sometimes we get a bad name for who we are in politics and so on and so on. But you know, some little girl basketball player uh, coaches can maybe change people's mind about Louisiana. I, I, I believe that. You know, especially if you have passion and you, you have heart for the for the state. You know, and I mean, uh, I, again, it's not football, but uh, I'm sure there were some football fans here tonight. You know, and hopefully they. You know, they walk away and say, hey, you know, they just play just as hard as uh, as the Raging Cajuns do. So, you know, I think all those things are important, you know. Hopefully we can, hopefully tonight grew the game, you know, and continues to grow the game. You know, we we take pride in, in starting, you know, young young girls that when they're five and six. My family runs the Biddy program here. They have 1,500 kids in it. I take pride in that, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing for me. And, uh, yeah, we lost tonight, but tomorrow, you know, we'll, we'll be right back at it and trying to represent the university. The right. And, and uh, that's what another thing that came out of me and Kim, you know, it's like the way we do things, you know, and a lot of people forget how we do things the right way. I think that's, a, you know, Tony Robichaud used to always say that. Do it the right way. Do it the right way. It's going to pay off. It might take a little bit longer, you know, and that's what we've been doing. It's 10 years now, and we finally won a conference championship. We won another one. But... As long as we're taking and doing it the right way, I feel comfortable that, that we're going to be able to move forward. Well said. Do it the right way. Coach Kim Mulkey was asked about that conversation with Coach Broadhead and uh, also if LSU would be scheduling UL again in the future. Here's what she had to say. I did accidentally run into him. I don't know if he was coming in that locker room to go to the bathroom or what, but I shocked him. I was sitting there, which is good. Um, I haven't seen Coach Broadhead to have that in-depth conversation in many years. I go back to when his wife was still alive and I came down here. They had a big summer AAU deal going on down here and I was the speaker and uh, what they've done for basketball uh, in, you know, the Acadiana area. Uh, We talked about our grandchildren. Uh, You know, uh, Gary is a later in life coach at this level. He's only, what, 10 years? (laughs) I thought I was late leaving Louisiana Tech to become a head coach, but he's done a tremendous job. He wins the league last year, loses in the tournament, and unfortunately doesn't get a bid. But he had a heck of a team, so such respect for him. Uh, To answer your question about scheduling, if they'll all come to the PMAC, I'll schedule them every year. There it is. So uh, don't expect you LSU back in the Cajun home at women's basketball based on the things she was saying last night. But as far as uh, her points about Coach Broadhead, and, you know, she, she opened up the press conference last night saying 
man, I just I appreciate y'all saying after that first quarter, I don't think I could have stayed. I mean, our offense was terrible and UL was turning it over, but uh, and then and then she got serious and she said, you know, her first time in the Cajun Dome, she played high school games in Black and back in the day, but uh, was was grateful of the crowd, thankful of the crowd, and uh, thought it was a good atmosphere. And you know, unfortunately, the game itself wasn't close. And you know, credit to LSU and uh, but the atmosphere and um, women's basketball getting the coverage that was a good thing. That was a really really good thing. ESPN Lafayette, I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. As I said earlier, some some high school playoff football tonight here on uh, some Town Square Media stations. we got Ascension Episcopal at LCA tonight. You can catch the action on Talk Radio 960. We'll talk to Eric Mouton about that. Uh, LCA, number one seed in Division Three. You got uh, Cecilia and Lakeshore tonight right here on ESPN Lafayette. Mike the Bernard, they call him the bandit. Mike the bandit Bernard has the call for you tonight right here. Pre-game at 645. And then over on Classic Rock 105.1, the number seven seed, Acadia and Reckon Rams taking on St. Amant. Brandon Como, uh, excuse me, well, no, Ian Ozan has the call for you. Shout out Brandon Como, who um, he and his wife welcomed a uh, baby boy into their family last week and uh, wishing them nothing but the best but for rundown of scores tonight we'll be updating them for you throughout tonight like i said 19 area teams involved in uh, the high school football playoffs right now after round one round two tonight you know and then you get to the private sector these are quarterfinal games in division two three four and one so uh some good high school football tonight (sighs) nfl coming up later pats falcons last night well the lunar eclipse was having some fun making fun of the falcons at their expense many others were as well saints eagles what's the key can the saints win because the latest injury reports they ain't too good we're gonna dig into that with gus cattengill our saints and pelicans correspondent as i mentioned the man eric mouton gonna be in studio with me in the eight o'clock hour at 8 15 we'll also have open phone lines when Eric joins us as well, it's all coming your way right here. Don't go anywhere. It's Friday, baby. Friday. Get that Friday feeling. Don't go anywhere. This is the Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette at 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM. And for those of you listening at home, in your car, connect to cars, smart speakers, or smart tablets, everybody listening on the stream via the ESPN Lafayette app. It's brought to you by Sean Pons, Mark on the Wilson, or Sean Pons going the extra mile how many miles are the Saints going to have to run in Philly? Because run is going to be the key. Running the football. Both teams, their game plans are going to be exactly the same. Who wins Sunday in Philly? We're talking to Gus about that and more. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette. I'm Scott Prather on a Friday. We're back right after this. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now, back to more of the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather.
Welcome back into the great Scott show. The great sports callers open think tank. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. That's right. We are less than a week away from Thanksgiving, so I want to open up our Pro Dola segment with our guy Gus Cattengale on a positive note. Thankful for him for all these years coming on to the show. Thankful to still be in this line of work. Thankful for my family. Thankful for life. So, Gus, as bad a week as it's been, the professional teams in the state of Louisiana in the Pelicans and in the Saints. I what let's 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 before I get upset, why don't you open up with something that the fans should be thankful for as we head into this weekend? I would say be thankful for the fact that you can be upset <laughs> in terms that you have teams, honestly. Um I mean, I, you know, I don't know if a lot of people still follow, but, I mean, St. Louis suing the NFL. It kind of looks like they got done dirty, losing their team and stuff. And, you know, you and I still remember very clearly, because we were working together at the time, that, I mean, it absolutely looked like the Saints were doing everything and everything to leave. And the NFL stepped in and stopped. And I, you know, I'm old enough to remember looking at the Times Picayune one morning with uh, the headline got him when we thought we had the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then that went away. And I still remember waking up and going, wow, we got an NBA team when the Charlotte Hornets moved here. So I still remember that excitement. It does stink. And it's sort of like the way I say it to our listeners when they call our show, Scott, you know, the ones that say we stink, sell the franchise, you know, move to Seattle. Look, in any business and field, if it's failing, you replace it with people that are, you know, that can make it better, right? I mean, companies do that all the time. You try to save it. You try to make it work. In professional sports, you have a very unique situation where the teams are adding value despite the win-loss record, which is why I say that when it comes to a new arena, stadium renovations, fans can't look at wins and losses, college football stadiums, Cajun fields, suites, and, you know, looking at facilities for play. It has no bearing on wins and losses. It'll help you get more wins. If you don't do it, it won't. It's it's that simple. So be thankful you got them. And be thankful we can absolutely complain about the terrible job that David Griffin has done since he's gotten here. Um, It is a thankful thing as strange as it sounds, to be able to um, sit there and be like, my goodness, the referees are at it again trying to, you know, get the Saints again. But you got a team and you're still in the playoff hunt. I mean, like, it's crazy when you think about it. We're complaining and um, and we've still got a, a chance, you know, still got a chance to, to still be in the postseason and everything. So I think when you look at it from all of those perspectives, man, it, it yeah, it, it is still for very good reason to be thankful on a lot of different aspects of it because you still have an opportunity to do so and, and to have fun by doing it, you know? Gus Cagliel, Saints and Pelicans Court. Um, indeed. And if I don't talk to you before next Thursday, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I, You know, trying to focus on some positives here. 
Herb Jones for the Pels, I guess, um, for the Saints, you know, the fact that they have a winning record. Like I, I was saying this yesterday with Norman Locke on the air and he loves to troll and all this other stuff. I was more PO'd after Sunday's regular season loss to the Titans than I have been after a Saints game in a long time. Um, I, If you had told me before the season, trying to spend this right now, being thankful is a positive, that the Saints would have, you know, Jameis on IR, the Trevor Simeon would be the quarterback, the Taysom would miss time, the Camaro would miss time, the Michael Thomas would never play, that they'd have six mixed extra points and go through five different kickers by week 10, and Will Lutz would never play, and, you know, Armstead would miss time, and, and all this stuff. If you had just told me the rundown, you know, that their pass catchers would be as atrocious as they are, that Adam Troutman would not take the big step forward that many hoped for, that it would be kind of the opposite, especially in big moments. Tell me all that stuff and say, what's their record after, you know, nine games? I would have said two and seven. You know, here you are at five and four. You're in the mix for a playoff spot. And you've got a, a, a you said a must win. And I'll get your thoughts on why you said that. I think a, a, a I think it's, it's the last thing before a must win Sunday. I didn't go as far as you, but, but I'll let you have the floor on why. But getting back to my point about being thankful, I mean, the fact that they're, they're five and four in a season like this one and, and certainly in the mix for a playoff spot. That is uh that's that's something I think Saints fans don't maybe don't want to hear or don't want to be, but that's something they should be a little I think you should be thankful for. All things considered, most teams aren't still competitive in a playoff race when they have the cards that have been dealt to them, and the Saints are. So does it make last Sunday any better or the week before any better? But uh, but I, I think it's something to be thankful for this year, Gus, because I certainly wouldn't have expected it. No, you know, that's the thing. I mean, I remember at the beginning of the year when it came to, you know, the Saints, it's, you know, Scott, one of those things where I kept calling it a potential playoff team and you had to have all those people step up. And, you know, I, look, I, again, it's, you have, what, eight weeks to go, right? And you're you're in the mix. I mean, you're... <laughs> You're you're looking at this and and enjoying, you know, the fact that, hey, it, 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 this is a game you, you gotta win. Can you win this one? I'm calling it a must win because, you know, I, I'm looking at Buffalo and Dallas and the Jets are sandwiched in between there. That's a team that, you know, it's December 12th. It could be cold. It could be snowing. You just don't know. I mean, I didn't think the Jets would get the wins that they've gotten this year, and they wind up beating some teams. I was surprised. So. You know what? At the end of the day, um, that that makes you nervous, especially with the with the Bucks, you know, on deck. So I I I was just upset that the last two weeks, while different, even though some people asked Sean Payton this past week, oh, are they similar? Which I don't think they are at all. I just you needed to get that that Falcon game is still absolutely burning me. I mean, yeah, you can say the the rest, you can say whatever, you know, to. Um, you know, to that Tennessee game, but you know, again, you don't have Camaro, you know, that just that Falcon game to me is just, it just absolutely, man, just gets me, you know, the, the more I think about it. So I, I just look at it, man, back and forth as a situation where if the team can just somehow sneak in there and get in there, I think you got a shot. I think with Rogers, the Packers sort of look like the team that, that can be better than everybody else, but I think they're beatable. The Saints beat them. You know, they beat the Bucks. 
we're going to see, and in two weeks or in three weeks, Dallas, where the Saints kind of stack up with Dallas. So, you know, it's going to be interesting, man, to kind of look at it. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Pronolist segment, Gus Kattengill, our guest. Uh, Gus, taking a look at, as you said, this uh, this matchup and looking at it as a must-win. Philly is um, outside physical game. Seems like the kind of game this Saints roster would want to play, right? They want it, they want it to get, they want it to kind of get dirty. They want it to be in the trenches. They want it to be physical. They, they're, they're not built right now to play a game against the team that wants to sort of sling it all over the place. And, you know, this is, a, this is a, an Eagles team that, you know, put 44 on, albeit the Lions, you know, but played the Bucks competitive, you know, um, that, that's coming off of a dominant win against Denver because of their defense. They're four and six. They feel like the thing about that seventh playoff seed is that a lot of these teams that wouldn't feel like they're in the hunt all feel like they have it. So there's a sense of urgency already in the season, even though it doesn't end for another seven weeks, the regular season. There's a sense of urgency with a lot of these teams. So you say must win for the Saints. I, I go just a step below that, not quite, but it is a must win for the Eagles. And my point is this, you're going into Philly where if they, you know, you'd say, oh, that's a bad thing. Actually, it's a good thing. <laughs> Every one of Philly's wins have come on the road this year. They can't win at home. So you actually might want to play them. You might actually <laughs> might want to play them in Philly instead of the Dome where the Saints have, you know, lost to bad teams in Atlanta and New York. So you're going to Philly against an Eagles team that is looking at this game as a must win because they're going to say, man, we get by the Saints. We get to play the Giants twice. We get to play the Washington football team twice. We get to play the Jets. We're totally in the thick of this thing if we beat the same we're gonna get a scrappy hungry desperate team i think on i'm i'm expecting a dog fight i don't know what the over under is in this thing gus let me look it up right now uh it is 43 oof i mean yeah i oh i don't know that's i I would stay away from that line eagles are one and a half point favorites that's not much like i'm expecting a close game and a dogfight and i just i just pray it doesn't come down to some two-point conversion or a saints kicker missing multiple pats you know if they just if they just lose straight up man to man and you don't have just a plethora of mistakes at the most inopportune times okay you know what you deal with it but you don't want to lose the game Sunday the way that you lost last week because that was gut-wrenching. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking, man. I just want to see this team kind of play to its capability because, Scott, they have to. Uh, what I mean by that is they have to play as good as they can for them to win. They're just not very talented on the offensive end at the skill position. I think they have a very good defense. The problem is, you know, um, if there's one area that I am concerned about is occasionally two things tend to pop up when the Saints defense gets taken advantage of or doesn't, per, you know, have to play perfect. Because that's what it is sometimes. You almost get a sense and feel that they have to play perfect football for this team to win because you just don't know what the offense is going to be able to do on a consistent basis. And that is give up the big plays on the back end. And unfortunately, they're just not very consistent at rushing the passer, you know. And, look, it's going to be a conversation for later. And it's probably going to be one of those hard ones and difficult ones. Uh, and I understand the concept of being double teamed. But 
Cam Jordan doesn't impact the game like he used to. So if that's the case, who else is? I mean, the Saints are needing to bring in an extra player for pressure. I mean, that's just reality now. So, you know, Peyton Turner on IR now. I know Davenport had a better season this year than in seasons past. But, you know, you're looking for that Trey Hendrickson. You're looking for that guy that can get you a sack a game or at least potentially to do that and um, and be able to, to provide that pressure. And in this game, it's going to be vital and crucial. The, the most carries last week by Philly was Jalen Hurts. They rushed for over 200 yards. Both backs had, I think, what, 13 and 12 carries separately. Hurts had 14. He's going to run the football. And it's about contain. It's about, you know, keeping eye discipline. I mean, it's basic football. But those guys are going to have to play well. Um, David Onyemata, this is your game here. You know, middle linebacker, Pete Werner, um, Juan Alexander, got to make plays. If if Philadelphia can move the ball up and down, and, and the problem is, as you saw last year, right, all it takes is one missed tackle on an RPO or a read uh, option and, you're down seven. And I just, the Saints are just not built, Scott, to get in the shootout. You, you saw them. It took them quarters to make their comebacks. I, I know they had 22 unanswered against the Falcons, but it's the Falcons and it's the fourth quarter. You, you, you just, you can't make that a habit of second half comebacks, if that makes any sense, Scott. So I think to me, it's, you know, to your point, you say scrapping all that. It, it's absolutely vital to get off to a quick start. I think the Saints need ten points in the first quarter. Man, they they've got to get a touchdown in the first quarter. It, it, just these slow starts are killing them. You know, you haven't had a first half touchdown since your win against Tampa Bay, um, and and that was what uh, the first half. The one they got in that one was Jameis Winston to Traquan Smith, and then Simeon to Alex Arma. You haven't had a first half touchdown the last two weeks. You've come close, but it's it's been this constant, let's take uh, two steps forward, three steps back. And Mark Ingram has been a big part of the game plan the last two weeks, and Gus, he's played well. It's The problem is when they get down double digits and they're having to abandon the run later in the second half, I, I think if, if, it's, if it's the kind of game both teams want to play, if it remains close, that's what the Saints want to do here. Now, you know, if Armstead doesn't play or Ramchek, you know, it, it – it's going to be more difficult, but everybody's saying, oh, I don't, I don't, not everybody. I've heard folks suggest you don't want to do that against the Eagles for a game in Philly. I think this Saints team, the way they're built right now, uh, yeah. that's exactly what you want to do. And, and yeah. again, Philly hadn't won at home this year. So you go in there, you play this game in the trenches. You mentioned Davenport. You know, we've been hard on him, but I call him Davendorf. He's he's been playing lately like Stephen Dorff in Blade or True Detective season three. It's been the good Stephen Dorff, and uh, you know anytime he he spends an extra few seconds on the ground, I'm just waiting for him to limp to the sideline. But that hadn't been the case. I mean, the guy's been overpowering people, and I think him and Demario Davis, um, their speed, their ability to be disruptive in a game where I mean Jalen Hurts. You remember last year, Gus, in that game getting outside the pocket, doing things in a Saints loss at Philly. It's it's about containment. And if you can uh, – I, I, whoever wins this game in the trenches and whoever wins this game in the run game, rushing offense and rushing defense, they're going to win. That's that's going to be the winner, barring, you know, some wild turnover margin. 
that's going to be what happens here. So a lot of focus on Simeon, a lot of focus on how bad the Saints pass catchers have been, a lot of focus on Adam Troutman, all understandable. But to me, this game is about running and stopping the run first and foremost. Yeah, man, um, I, I agree with you. Uh, it's, it's, it's about, you know, getting the ground game going and, and stopping. I mean, it really legitimately is that honest, that easy. I mean, I know you can sit there and say, well, look, somebody's got to make a play in the passing game. I mean, that's obvious. And look, you know, you heard um, this week um, Trey Quan Smith touch on the fact that he knows that that position group has got to get, you know, a, a you know, better, and they've got to make plays, and they've got to do things. So they do. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. You know, I mean, this team has got to make plays, and uh, they they got to be consistent. You know, and it's going to be one of those games, as you're talking about, where a third-down conversion can be a game momentum changer. It can be a lot of different aspects that, you know, um, turn the game around, quite honestly. It's uh, – it's, it's- for younger Saints fans, it's hard for them to get used to that, right? You know, in the Peyton Breeze era, Saints ranked in the top five in offense and scoring offense every year. I mean, they led the league uh, eight of those years in, 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 in one of those two categories, right? I mean, they were always an explosive offense. They're 26 in the NFL right now in yards a game. Uh, I think they're middle of the pack, 13th, I think, in points a game. But I, I remember times when the Saints offense was just – Kind of like pulling teeth, right? It was a grind. It was tough. It was difficult. You had to lean on the defense. You had to lean on special teams. And I, I you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll close our Saints discussion with this, Gus. I, I take back every negative thing I ever said about Will Lutz. And I didn't, I didn't say tons of negative things about him. But I did have the absurd take that, you know what? You know, if he doesn't have a good season, he might be on the hot seat. I would say his stock's never been higher for the Saints. Spending the year uh, on injured reserve because, uh, man, I mean, that's a different game last week. It's different games at other points this season. If you have Will Lutz, uh, your play calling on offense. When you look at, a, at the team the Saints have now, it's one thing to have Will Lutz when you've got a top five offense. It's another thing not to have him when your offense is 26th in the league. And you're playing field position more than you ever have. And you're relying on defense and special teams. If you have a good quality kicker with this kind of team, it makes a world of difference. Not to say that Lutz wasn't a difference maker before. He absolutely was, and he's been a pro bowler, and I get that. But the way this team is built differently than, than any other in the Peyton Breeze era, you, you, you are missing a true bona fide good kicker more this year than you would have any other year. And you had some years in the Peyton Breeze era where you had to use a different kicker and a guy got hurt, and I get all of that. But this year, more than any other, is when you would have needed a great kicker. And unfortunately, with the exception of maybe, you know, Martin Gramatica and, uh, and Olindo Mare, which was only a brief period of time early in the Peyton Breeze era, this has undoubtedly been the absolute worst kicking that they've had. They can't seem to get it right. It's cost them games and... If they don't make the postseason, Gus, a lot of people are going to point to reasons why. Number one on my list is going to be no Will Lutz. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know if it's number one on your list. I think you, I think you're drastically over. There's a, um, there's a lot of number ones. All right. No receivers by far number one. I mean, look, 
here's the thing, the kicking thing, and it's not, you know, ideal and it's not the best it's been and you wish it was better. But, I mean, I, there, there is no way you can say, and I understand what you're saying, but, dude, drop passes, inability to make plays and all that, that's absolutely... All right, all right, all right. You're right, you're right. It's not number one on the list. Is that number one on the list? Oh. I guess I'm just feeling guilty about Proceed. suggesting Will Lutz might have been on the hot seat, which was oh. uh, which was absolutely absurd. Before I said that in the off season, that was that was an absolutely atrocious take by me. Well, the, well, the thing is this, right? You would have never, you would have liked to have never had to have. It, I guess to make my point, the fact that the kicking is that important is because your offense hasn't sort of scored, but. To your point, when you were referencing back in the day, the old Saints offensive, or, you know, getting points and moving up and down the field relied on that, right? That's literally why Morton Anderson is in the Hall of Fame, because it was rely on the defense to get uh, inside the 50-yard line, 40-yard line, and uh, we got three. And, you know, in today's NFL, man, that is just – that's brutal. Um that's just not going to work on a lot of different scenarios and situations when you look at it. So, uh, again, I, I think as much as we've talked about as you can um, commend and basically credit and give due to Sean Payton and all of the different things that he's done to make him say, like, coach of the year and stuff, uh, I think it's also fair to say that the biggest overestimation of the century, right, is um, the... We like the guys in our room. Yeah, right, you know, because yeah. it, it's absolutely cost you. It's cost you perhaps a spot of the playoffs and all that because, to your point, you know, now that kicking is so important and all the other areas, it just goes up a bit, if that makes any sense. Mar- no, yeah, the, the margin for error continues to shrink right. with the injuries, so with, point, the, with though, the kicker, you, you know, with the receivers... So, you can't have a kicker that literally kicks the stupid ground before a ball. I mean, you know, I get everybody makes mistakes, and I understand it's the nature of the position where, Cut you know, as a quarterback, I was talking about this on the air, you know, a quarterback can make a bad throw. You can, you know, have a bad quarter, get an interception, but you can somehow um, change it, you know, and still have a good game. I mean, you know, you could make a bad read and blow it, but still, for the most part, have a good overall Oh, game. If a kicker, it's either make or miss. You know, there is no in between. And your misses add up. You're a baseball guy as I am. And I keep equating it to essentially, to me, it's, it's like walks. It doesn't matter if it's the first inning or the ninth inning. Missed extra points will absolutely come back and get you. Right? I mean, field goals, you can always look back and say, well, you know, it could have had three, but extra points and i understand they're, they're not gimmies anymore but man those extra points will absolutely come back and haunt you and it absolutely has so yeah i mean look it, it, it with the team that they have this year yeah the kicker is uber important which goes to tell you how poorly they misjudge their talent room when it comes to the skill position we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we will get Gus's pick for Sunday's game. We'll talk briefly about the Pels and about the Raging Cajuns, Billy Napier, coaching rumors, and uh, and the like. It's all coming your way. Eric Mutaw going to be in studio with me at 815. 
the former Raging Cajun Hoopster. We're going to talk some Cajun hoops. We're going to talk high school football, among other things. Uh, game he and Bobby are calling tonight, Ascension Episcopal, in the postseason. Going to be airing on Talk Radio 960. Eric's a great guy, great guest. Looking forward to talking sports with him. Up next, though, Gus Kattengill still with me. Ah, man. I, he, he, last time I talked to him, he said people are still really angry about the Pels. Over here, it's turned into apathy. Is it there yet in New Orleans? How are things rolling? And, again, like I said, talking to little coach Billy Napier, among other things. All coming your way. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sportsbook because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. And to celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up. Because when you do, $100 in free bets to use on mobile sports betting in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one 877 stop Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Now 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. If you're listening to us via the stream, whether it be connect to cars, smart speakers, wherever you are, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Will Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Gus Catgill joining us this morning. Ronola's segment right now. We'll uh, we'll circle back to what unfolded at the Cajun Dome last night a little bit later. Uh, Gus, the, the Saints-Eagles game, we broke it down. We broke down the state of the Saints. Last thing on the Saints, and then we're segueing here. What is your pick for Sunday and why? I, I think the Saints pull it out. I do think the Saints win. I'm going to go something along the lines that you're talking about, kind of a, you know, nasty little game every now and then. But, man, give me something like, oh, do I dare go 23-20, something like that? Do you think it could be that bad or like 19-17? I'm with you, man. I, I think it's going to be something where you go, oh, but, yeah. I, I still think, I think the Saints by three. How about that? All right. I, I'll be honest. Right now, I'm I, I'm kind of leaning toward maybe Philly winning this thing. Um, That's it. It's all the time. Oh, never mind. I'm on your show. Well, well, well I, I'm going to wait and see what the Friday injury report <laughs> looks like, and then I'll then I'll then I'll then I'll really set in the pick, lock it in one way or the other. Uh, that is Gus Cadengill, our guest. All right, Gus. People are getting apathetic about the Pelicans right now over here. You're 12 games under 500. You kind of added everything. I I. I I've been watching this team, and 
during the losing streak earlier in the season when you didn't have B.I. and you didn't have Zion, I still saw effort. I saw feistiness. I saw one-two. I'm not seeing that lately. I'm seeing second halves where it's just, whether it be ISO, whether it not be blocking out. I mean, Valanchunas has been good outside of that. You know, Graham has had a few moments here or there. It's just uh, Herb Jones, right? But when you're 2-14, and 14, it's hard for me to find really anything that is, is, I don't know. I mean, again, gratitude, right? Trying to be thankful. Like, it, I, I hate to say it, man. Over here in Lafayette, it's, it's apathy right now with this franchise. And that's the worst thing to be, in my opinion. You fighting that yet in New Orleans, or is it still just, is it still just mad rage? It's everything. <laughs> Can I say everything? To use a Thanksgiving term, a cornucopia of emotions. Um, start with what you said, apathy. I, you know, always will get a, a caller or two that absolutely will go into the old get rid of them, sell them. Like I was telling you earlier in our conversations, you know, it's not happening. It's worth a billion dollars. And you're having one Skwaduski. No one in their right mind is going to do it. Aside from the fact the owner already came out and said in her succession plan in her will, it's not going anywhere. So let it go. Um, but I get it. It's the sense of here we go again, and it's the same old hell, it's the same old situation. Which crazy is all three would you say Hall of Fame, potential Hall of Fame, or, you know, superstar players that you've had here that left, left for different reasons. There are different situations that led to it. But it all starts kind of piling in. It, I, I almost, I, I didn't, didn't want to say this on the air just yet, but I was having a conversation with my neighbor across the street this week. Our kids were playing, having a brewski, and, uh, he goes, you know, the Pels are like the Cleveland Browns. And I'm like, you, you kind of look at it, and that franchise, Scott, I mean, how many times they draft number one or take a franchise quarterback or a key player and either an injury or didn't pan out? How many coaches, GMs, like, you think of how many times they hit the reset button or were given the opportunity to hit the reset button and and man if you can't look at the team since they've been here and almost look at it in that situation right you know again the Chris Paul thing falls on your lap to be a hall of famer the guy running it made stupid moves got the team older then traded one of his best players and friends behind their backs didn't tell the coach didn't tell the players and it was a bad move to begin with not saying that you need to talk to all your players and coaches on all the moves you make, but something like that, a starter, absolutely, and that destroyed that situation. Then you add, you know, you get Anthony Davis. Played hard, recruited players, was about the community, didn't get in trouble, did a ton in the off-the-court off situation, did a ton of things. And, you know, lost vision, lost hope, lost trust because of poor decisions or signings or everything, draft picks. And, and that, now you're in this incarnation where 
you know, you have a mixture of unbelievably poor draft picks, free agent signings, team construction, coaching decisions, and it's tied in, unfortunately, with the player that I don't know if he is a franchise player just yet, mentally and physically. So if I'm a Pels fan, yeah, other than a bag of crackling and something strong and dark-colored like bourbon, why should I feel good about watching the Pels game? Because I probably think here we go again, you know, there's really no room and reason for hope because if I had a kid in 2002, what is he, 20 next year, Scott, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he would be 20 years old. Yeah. Dude, he would be 20 years old, and my poor child, if I had him at 2002 when the team first moved here, would have experienced brief moments of winning, but predominantly about 80% of just a poorly run franchise between three ownership groups, including one being the NBA. The, the Saints and Pelicans are separated by a parking lot, yet they're worlds apart. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of the fabric in the community, in terms of how they're run and operated, I don't just mean based on the current results. I'm talking about the whole thing. Um, it's frustrating, Gus, because I think you and I always feel like if if you do a few things right, how much could change? But... It's just it's it's one one mistake after another, and uh, unfortunately, I mean, I've I've just been reduced to celebrating, you know, Valanciunas and how he manages to keep his hair perfect while just going hard in the paint. You know, like I'm I, I mean, that's I'm reaching reaching for straws here to look at some of the positives. All right, before we let you run, uh, Louisiana Rage Cajun football. I know you talk to Coach Napier every week on your show, as do I. Um, Cajuns going to Liberty this week, uh, tomorrow, taking on a team that has one of the best quarterbacks in the country, taking on a team that is uh, uh, favored to win from a betting standpoint, or at least they're a betting favorite. You want to phrase it however you want. Uh, they are, they've won 15 in a row at home. A lot of excitement here in Lafayette, guys, about the Cajuns hosting the conference championship game at Cajun Field on December the 4th, as there should be. But Coach Napier, he, he was saying yesterday, uh, Wednesday to us, he's like, I don't think this is a trap game. Look at the opponent. Look how good they are. Look where we're going. Like, this, th- there, there's a lot to play for in terms of our goals and what we want to do. Um, he's not looking ahead. I, I don't know that the players are. I, I'd like to think they're not. Uh, but in terms of, like, tough competition, and look, the Cages have been favored big in some games, and, and it goes down to the wire. They've been you know, an underdog in a game against App State that they won 41 to 13. So throw the line out the window. Just in terms of playing at Liberty and with their quarterback, I think it's going, I, I, again, I think it's going to be a really close contest tomorrow. I think it's going to be, and if it's close, then I like the Cajuns because they almost always win the close ones, right? I've said it before. Since 2018, the Cajuns are, you know, uh, or 2019, the Cajuns are 9-1 and one in games decided by four points or less. But this one coming up, I, I think tomorrow, it might be a one-possession type game. In fact, I'm expecting it to be. I'm looking for a close contest tomorrow for the Cajuns that if they want to... You have a chance here, Gus, if you're Louisiana. You're already on a school record nine-game winning streak. You have a chance to finish this season if you went out 
to possibly play a UTSA Roadrunners team that's in the top, what, 15 right now, top 20, that's undefeated, that probably will win CUSA, win a conference championship game. You have a potential New Orleans Bowl matchup with two top 25 teams, and the winner is undoubtedly going to be ranked in the top 15 of the final polls. There's, there's, there's a lot. I know I'm looking down the line here, but I think when you're a G5 and you're a mid-major, it's about building year to year so you're consistently a name and a brand that's always in the mix. Okay, best G5 type team. This, this game tomorrow, it's a non-conference game. I get it. But in, in the big picture here, this is a huge opportunity for Louisiana when you factor into what is on the line afterwards if you get the win. Yeah, I think you have a very sound take. It's, it's almost incredible, really, when you think about it, um, how far Cajun football has come. And I mean, it's especially where, you know, you debate whether or not a team is being overlooked or not. Um, it's crazy because, to your point, unless you've been following college football through the season – closely, you're probably not even familiar with Liberty. Look, they're all excited because they're going to Cusco. While other teams are, you know, excited to bail out of Cusco, they're excited about it. And the thing is this, we all know the name Hugh Freeze. Right? So, he's their coach, as I'm sure everyone's heard this week. And as you and I talked about on our show Wednesday, Malik Willis is going to be the first or second quarterback selected more than likely in the NFL draft in April. So that's right there is all you need to know. Um, when I talk to different people, you know, they compare him to a very good running back. I think you said Wednesday reminds you like Lamar Jackson, kind of that type of player. Uh, yep. Anybody that reminds me of that kind of player, I'm leery, right? <laughs> I'm worried. It's on the road. And look, you want to get, I think, if I'm the Cajun, I want to continue that upward trajectory. I want to continue recruits looking at me. I'm not even kidding you. This week alone at the gym, I was talking to a couple of people that might have listened to the show, and they listen to Coach when he comes on on Tuesdays. I had one guy whose kid's 14 playing football, and he's like, I want my son to go to UL. I mean, that's, you know, or I guess it's, it's Louisiana. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like, I don't really honestly remember a lot of people kind of feeling that way. And it's because of them winning, the environment, all that stuff. So you want to keep that moving forward. And the way to do that is to finish, to me, Scott, in the college football playoff rankings in the top 25. Because they do go over to 25. I know we always focus the four or five or six and who's going to get in the playoffs. But if you can finish the end of the year, Scott, and that includes winning, the conference championship game. And you're inside the CFP 25. That is a massive beast. You're putting that on the program guide next year. You're touting that. That's going to go in Coach Napier's bio. That goes under Levi Lewis's history. That goes into every single thing. If you can finish in the top 25, congratulations, you were right this year. Where'd you finish? Where'd you finish? Did you finish in the top 25? And if you do, that means you're making a name. Because that top 25 is not just coaches or just writers. It's the committee. The committee picks the 25. They take everything into account. 
schedule, conference, wins, all of that. So you want to win out, man. If you're the Cajuns, you don't want to lose again this season. And you do that, Scott, you have a very good chance. Could you imagine finish the CFP rankings here inside the 20 or your 20 or higher? That, that is arguably the best season in Cajun football. Last year, you finished with your highest ranking ever, 15th in the AP. You surpass it this year. There's just, there's a lot still there. And look, if you lose, there's still a lot there. Don't get me wrong, because you're, you're playing for a conference championship. You still potentially could play UTSA in the bowl game. You could still maybe finish in the top 25, but you, you win, man. You're, first of all, it's a great road win against uh, one of the better G5 teams but you set yourself up nicely. Final thing with you, Gus. Appreciate you joining us. Gus Cadengill at GCAT underscore one seven on Twitter. Coach Billy Napier, um, names out there all the time. LSU rumors. They want Lincoln Riley. Oh, he might not go one thing after another. You hear a lot of their fans say Napier could be in play. Um, you have Cajun fans saying, I don't think so. I, I, Sports Illustrated saying TCU, they want either Sonny Dykes or Billy Napier. They're interested. We've seen Napier turn down or rather take his name out of the running, however you want to word it. We've seen teams go after him. Um, the, this, this, the, the potential of him at LSU has been the, a, a narrative throughout the season. It's not like it's anything new. Um, is Billy Napier, in your mind, going to be coaching at UL next year? And, and, you know, if not, where do you think he's going to end up being? I know... We talk about it a little differently here in Lafayette, but I'm kind of getting your thoughts on what the pulse has been like over there in New Orleans in regards to the name Billy Napier. Well, woke up Thursday morning and somebody texted me. Uh, I I got it accurate here, which was kind of remarkable. Obviously, we heard a lot this week about Lincoln Riley over at LSU, but eight years, 96 is the number I've been hearing. Yeah. Which is 12. That's absolutely absurd. He starts no Tucker Wednesday, get a $95 million 10-year deal to stay at Michigan State. Um, you know how I feel about this. And I, I don't ever not want to be invited on your show. I would love Billy Napier at LSU. And it's not because I don't want him to be in Acadiana because I think he does such a good job there. And it's something that you and I talked about in your show and our show, and I see you tweeted out too. Um, don't be able to coach where you have 90 to 100,000, where you have that kind of support and everything. And I understand it's two different worlds. Um, believe me, I went to Southern Miss. And uh, I've been part of the Tulane broadcast group for 13 years. And there are haves and there are have-nots, and that a lot of times isn't based on the dedications of the fan base of the city you're in. So I do understand that. But, you know, you just wonder what – kind of program he would run. And, and the main reason, quite honestly, that I'd love to see him there is because it is a state school um, for a lot of people. My dad went there. I grew up going there. Um, it's been an absolute train wreck and disaster. It's been, you know, riddled with, you name it, stories of bar fights, stories of, you know, drugs, suspensions, sexual assault. I mean, you name it. It has been an absolute disaster because, unfortunately, people value wins over, you know, 
character and things of that nature. And I, I know winning is important. I wish you could somehow kind of marriage it. And when you speak to him, look, I, I've told you this already. That guy reminds me of Sean Payton. And maybe without a lot of the attitude that Sean yeah. had. Billy's a lot more warm and welcoming. Earlier this week. You know? <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, you add that. I think it was Jay Walker that told me the story. That one of the first things he does to a new player when he comes in is teach him how to shake a hand and look at you in the eye. It's just stuff like that. That, again, it's not that I want to pull him away from you guys. It's when you have an utter disaster in Baton Rouge, that would be a great father figure, coach, human being, you know. In culture a, culture changer. I think culture changer is, uh, exactly, is the phrase exactly. you're looking for there. Yeah. You know, and, and, and look, it's an environment because of the SEC, because of who they are. That would represent the state well. And that's why I say that. I mean, obviously, man, you never want to lose a good coach. You never want to lose a good person in a community. Um, I don't know, Scott, where he's going to go. I, it's, it's crazy because you, you saw may not a lot go of anywhere potential openings or coaches where you think that they would be leaving. And you, you see them almost use the LSU job as leverage. You know, Jimbo, Dabo, Franklin, uh, Tucker, all got raises or got something because there was a threat of LSU coming and get you. So, you know, USC still open, got a couple other jobs, Virginia Tech. But look, when, when you have a couple of SEC schools like he's had the last couple of years come and ask and talk with him, I think he's very smart to understand the situation, right? Um, so I think if he does leave, it's probably going to be for a school that, you know, gives him – a chance to win, and it's one that he feels isn't going to be where I think that's the problem with LSU right now. It's, you know, last year, Max Johnson's a hero, and now they can't wait to get rid of the kid. You know, it's, it's that kind of fan base. So, you know, is that the environment you want? What if you can't beat them? What, what if something goes wrong? You know, it's, do you want that? And I think when it comes to like guys like Tucker and other guys, Hey, you win. You win where you are. You're God. You know, Jimbo's like, why do I want to go anywhere? I'm fine here. So it's gonna be interesting to me whether yeah. And and look, Kiffin leaves Ole Miss. Does he go to Ole Miss? You know, is that a situation you look at? Do you go to the East in the SEC? Do you go Big Twelve, ACC? I don't know. Does he wait for Debo Sweeney? You know, to call it a day. Or, or you know, what, do, you, do you just do you just keep waiting for the for the right perfect opportunity? Do you do you, do you stay at UL? All this stuff for for for, for LSU I fans. I think winning a conference title, Scott, is important for him. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, huh? well, 100 percent. I, I, I think getting that, or maybe getting to the point of the quote unquote, I've done all I can here. And I know it sounds horrible, but you understand what I'm getting at? Like yeah, but I don't look at it that way, Gus. I think for him, right. it's about, look, yes, he wants to, look, they want to win conference. They want to do all those things. They got a lot of goals. I think really it's just about autonomy, staff, and a lot of things. It's about fit more than anything else and synergy, right? The synergy that he has with the athletic director, Brian Maggard, with the university president, Dr. T. Jost, Dr. Savoy. That's something that he has referenced a lot. That's something uh, Brody Miller wrote about in his article earlier this week. It's something that is very important and a big reason why he continues to thrive at UL and do well. And Gus saying that he thinks that he thinks LSU should hire him isn't going to 
factor into LSU one way or another. No offense, Gus, you have that kind of pull. But uh, I don't want, you know, LSU fans to tweet him and say, heck, yeah. Yeah, and I don't want UL fans to tweet you and be like, oh, gosh, go to hell. Whatever. I mean, it's reality is this this discussion is going to continue to be had among many when you have a lot of success as the head football coach at UL, which he has had. Check out Gus Weekdays, ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. It is uh, called the Sports Hangover, noon to three. And, um, of course, on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17 here on Fridays at ESPN Lafayette. Gus, I'm going to let you run, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving next week. All the best, brother. And uh, I hope you enjoyed those cracklings that I had Jay deliver to you last week. <laughs> I absolutely did. And you know what? We started by talking about what was thankful. I'm thankful for your friendship, man. Thankful that we've known each other for a long time and that you still care enough to send me some cracklings. So I appreciate it, man. And thank you to the people over there that make the cracklings. So keep going. Good work. <laughs> you got it, brother. All the best, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Take care, bye. All right, big thanks to Gus Cattengale for coming on. As always, Pronola segment up next. Eric Mutaw joins me in studio talking hoops, talking high school playoff football, and his favorite memory from his playing days and the time he might have told Tim Floyd a, an expletive or two. We'll get that more. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues after this. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sportsbook because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home and to celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up because when you do, $100 in free bets to use on mobile sports betting in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one 877 stop Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings Welcome back into the great Scott show as promised coach Eric Mouton from Ascension Episcopal in studio, Dr. Fundamental hanging out with me this morning in old Old license to ill Beastie Boys. That's from your days playing for Coach Danny back at STM. That's exactly right. Does that Good bring stuff. you back there? It does. It absolutely <laughs> does, man. What was what's your what's your favorite Beastie Boys song? And did it kind of just come and go with that first album for you? Oh yeah, yeah. It, definitely it wasn't did. like you you no. rolled with them a long time, but that thing was everywhere. That song playing right there is pretty. Right. Good. <laughs> Got to be top of the list, Coach. Coach Danny, like. It, basketball back in the 80s like in high school now you know you got the music in every gym and it's constant i mean did y'all did y'all have the music coming out as champs week to week was it just a constant party in there it was a little different back then it was a little different back then we had one song that we went with our senior year that we what song was that i don't remember you don't i don't remember but i know it was i know it was one song that we had because roy champagne who was our uh 
our hype guy at the time. Didn't get much playing time, but he was our hype guy, and he was in charge of the music. So we, we went with one. Um, Maybe it, it Takes Two? Okay. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. From it takes two it to takes, make a finger, there, you right. go. there you go. Yeah. That might have been it. It took five for us, but um, good. Coach, uh, Coach Eric Mouton in studio. We're going to talk some hoops. We'll talk a little football as well. We'll talk about a camp he's got Thanksgiving week. Um, UL last night, I know you had a game with Ascension Episcopal. I referenced in the opening segment this morning, a little over an hour ago, I had some audio from Coach Mulkey, from Coach Broadhead. Uh, but being a UL alum, having over 2,700 at a women's basketball game, that's... That's a big deal at the Cajun Dome. That's, it's awesome. That's man. awesome. It's awesome. You know, I'm a little hoarse this morning. We did start our our season. We had to go up to Westminster uh, last night, and uh, man, I wanted to go to that game so bad. You know, pulling for Coach Gary, local guy, so passionate about his program, and and he's having success. He's bringing in good players. He's getting it done, hanging banners, winning championships. I know he's pleading with the community to get out there and support those girls and and to support him and. You know, I just want to echo that. If you have a chance to get out there one night and watch his team play, they are very good. They're fun to watch, and he does a great job. You know, starting on the defensive end, they get stops, and then they can score, and they got a couple of good players inside. So pulling for Coach Broadhead for sure. And, um, you know, last night wasn't their night, but, uh, you know, Coach Mulkey in terms of her passion just for women's basketball and wanting to have it grow in this state is uh, is also a good thing yes it's a great thing to have her back and you know she's kind of a a living legend there on the on the women's side of it and it's great for her to come to the cajun dome and to to get that excitement there about women's basketball so so good for her great for coach broadhead and dr maggot everybody that made that game happen coach eric mutar guest you um you once told tim floyd something during a game what was that <laughs> You have a beep button? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to play it, uh, but it, it, there you go. I can't repeat it. So take me back. So real quick before we get into currently, I, I love the story. I wasn't there, but, yeah. you know, you, you, you go into the free throw line to try to win a game, and Tim calls a timeout to try to ice you. And this is back when, you know, USL and UNO were at each other's throats on the basketball court. It was intense. So he calls a timeout, and, and what do you do? You just, like, walk to the other side of the court or? Well, there was some chatter between the players, and you know Kevin Brooks came over to defend me anytime. Anytime somebody looked at me wrong, Kevin. Well, it wasn't Brooks at the time; it was Marcus Stokes. It was the year before I came in with Kevin Brooks and Aaron Mitchell. Had my red shirt year. Went out with Marcus Stokes, Tyrone Jones, and Carol Boudreaux. And anytime somebody looked at me funny, those two guys were stepping in and. Uh, protecting me because they knew I was going to give them the basketball. Not everybody on the team would give them the ball. So they knew where, you know, they knew who to take they care had, of. They had multiple <laughs> intentions. So um, so we were talking the whole game, and I, it might have been Irvin Johnson. He and I were kind of getting into it, and Tim Floyd screamed something to tell me to stop talking. And I'm like, man, I, I, I normally don't start this. Okay. So I just try to finish it, and then I told him gotcha. you know, kind of the same thing so so he it wasn't he wasn't trying to ice you he was telling you to stop running your mouth yeah and you were like bro you 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 guys are running your mouth uh, exactly um, i can't remember who started it i'm not sure it might have been you look at <laughs> it might have been, been it might have been, it been, been me you were a bit feisty as a player you're a great college player um great high school player a lot of success and you've you've continued in the coaching world um, you're running the athletic department over there at Ascension Episcopal. Tonight, you and Bobby have the call. Talk Radio 960, but um, 
playoff game between Ascension Episcopal and LCA uh, in the area, man, in terms of area games. They don't get too much bigger than that. Yeah, and it's I guess it's fitting. You know, we've kind of avoided them the last couple of years being in the same division, and now that they're about to move out, we get to play them uh, on their way out as they move up. Um, but I think the Blue Gators are going to be ready. It's going to be a tough task to go over there um, and to play with these guys. But, you know, our guys have worked hard all year. We've had another great year. You know, to me, a, a program, not just a team, a program and what Coach Matt has done and Coach Mike before him, the Desimos, uh, putting this football program on the map. It just seems like year in and year out we're solid. We bring in new guys that make a, that make a difference, that work hard on the JV level and be ready when their number's called um, on the varsity level. And that's to me, that's a sign of a solid program and Coach Matt and his staff and the great staff. It's not like the, the school's been around for a long period of time, but the Desimos quickly built that thing into a program that's consistently winning. Yeah, yeah, 15 years we've been open and, you know, probably 13 in the in the LHSAA, and it just seems like every year next guy up, you know, Kay Dardar, example, steps mm-hmm. in as a junior starting quarterback, and a lot of people are like, we're not sure how he's going to do. Did he get enough reps as, 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 in the JV? Uh, you know, he got hurt late, and, man, he stepped in there and was outstanding. So, you know, it's just the guy, they get these guys ready. Coach Eric Mutal in the studio with me, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports Growing up, was basketball always like number one for you, or did you, did you play other sports? Did you follow other sports? Baseball was a close second. Played a lot of baseball growing up, and the uh, coaching staff, the, the baseball coaching staff, actually went to to Coach Fletcher and those guys and asked if they were going to recruit me and if they were because I only had one scholarship offer, one. And uh, the baseball program was interested in me too, playing both. My dad wanted me to play both. Um, but I wound up just sticking with uh, with basketball. You know, we had a great baseball team under Doug Taylor at St. Thomas More with a guy named Lyle Mouton. You might have heard of him. Yeah, he, he he was pretty good. Maybe the best athlete in STM history. And uh, shout out Coach Taylor, by the way. No offense to you, Eric. I mean, there were some great yeah. athletes, but <laughs> no <laughs> Lyle sure. Mouton, man. That you you knew him well. You played a couple sports with him. We played basketball and baseball together. And you know the career that he had. He was a uh, Starting pitcher, third baseman. I was at shortstop and a relief pitcher. So um, UL baseball came in and wanted to recruit me. So basketball and baseball was very close. Looking back, I kind of regret not playing both. Really? Yeah. Um, what was your, who was your, your team growing up? I mean, did you have a favorite basketball player, baseball player, or not really? Basket- more of just a kid that always just wanted to play and didn't watch you much. I wanted to play, but I also watched. I mean, back then it was, you know, it was Michael Jordan. It was much CTV. And uh, I was a John Stockton guy. You know, I love the way he shared the basketball and passed the ball. So that's that's what I had to do to get on the court. That's what I had to do to get on the court. I couldn't go up, go in there and score 25 points. I had to get it to the other guys to do it. I take. love Stockton as well. Yeah. But I also love the idea of people, revisionist history, that are like, you know, he, he played the game pure. It's like, um... No, I mean, yes and no. Let's not act like he, he and Carl Malone played clean. I mean, they get down and dirty, do whatever you have to do to what, win. That's how they play. Whatever uh, you have to do. The nice way to say it is scrappy. And you, you were you're yep. also a scrappy player. Um, make make every single inch you give, make every single effort you give, make it count. Uh, yeah, man, Stockton, I, he, I, I just I love watching him back yep. in the day. Love yep. watching him. Uh, ESPN Lafayette. So... I know basketball is such a passion for you. You know, my kids are, are really young. They're two, four, and six. I know yours are, are older. But for a lot of parents, it's Thanksgiving next week. Your kids are out of school. Like, what? 
what are you going to do? You're going to sit here all week. You're going to sit around like you don't have school. I have to go to work. Let's why don't you do something? Why don't you going to be kind of cold outside? Why don't you go play basketball somewhere? Right. Seems like a good idea to me. Seems like it makes sense. Work. I mean, I don't I don't know if there's anything like that happening or drop your kids off and go start your Christmas shopping. I'm sure that, you know, moms and dads want to get them out drop of the them house off to you. Let's drop them off at the Youngsville campus of Ascension Episcopal School. Okay. We're going to start at 9 o'clock each day, 9 to 12.30, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for our Dr. Fundamentals Thanksgiving basketball camp. Um, we'll take walk-up registrations starting at 8.30. That's at 1800 Shimon Metairie, right past Rouse's. Um, and we do all the fundamentals. We're going to work on their games. I mean, it's... Basketball season, right? Nobody's worried about football. Nobody cares. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. We are transitioning into basketball season. So if those guys that are going to play some bitty or play for their school team want to come get some work, walk-up registration starts at 830, and we're going to go from 9 to 1230. Um, so if you need to uh, have a meeting or go to work or go do some Christmas shopping, drop them off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, next week out in Youngsville at Ascension Episcopal School. You can go to ascensionbluegators.org. Check it out for, for more information. DrFundamentals.com, DR Fundamentals for more information too. But yeah, we'll do a little camp Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then I'm also hosting my varsity basketball tournament in the afternoon or in the evening. So if you want to catch a few uh, basketball games, we've got that going on as well. 830 registration. What, what's the age range here, Coach? We go pre-K four through eighth grade and we'll split them up according to their age get some work in get some fundamentals in we'll play some games we'll give away some prizes free snacks for everybody snacking a drink at break it's going to be awesome a lot of my players will come uh work camp my son is coming eli mouton who is at vc now coaching basketball will also be there helping out that's awesome. So pre-K four through eighth grade, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week, guys. It's Thanksgiving. You you want your kid for whatever you that maybe they love hoops. Maybe you just need to get them out the house. They need to get exercise. They need to get energy. They need to go learn from Doctor Fundamental. Uh, registration at eight thirty. You mentioned a drink and a snack. What are, what are the what are the costs for this? Ninety five dollars. And that's all three days. That's all three days, and you don't have to leave any extra money for for snacks. That's all covered. And uh, we'll get them some good work. We'll have them play some games. And, of course, we'll do some individual competitions like hot shot and free throws and mic and layups, all that good stuff. And then we'll play some three-on-three and some five-on-five and let you get better. There you go. Make it happen, guys. Go check it out. Do you try to do, like, history lessons like your former coach Danny Broussard when he has his his Danny Broussard camp every summer? I do not. All right. (laughs) That, that was there one day last week. He talks to every. I mean, that thing's been going on for so long, but he sees them all. He's like, come here, come here, my little children. Come here, yeah, come here. It. He puts them up and he asks them a question. Who was a Louisiana native that won multiple rings and was the oldest player at the time of his retirement? And it was Robert Parrish. And like, oh, a lot of these kids God. are like, they don't know. you know. No. And then it ended and I went and I, I told my son and nephew, I'm like, run up to him, tell him Robert Parrish. And they did. And they're like, Robert, he's like, that's right. It's big cheap, but y'all are too late. It's over. <laughs> no prize for you <laughs> uh all right oh, um dr fundamental eric mouton uh youngsville on the campus of ascension episcopal you don't have to sign up now you can sign up morning of eight thirty, pre-k four all the way through eighth grade and then some good games in the evening if uh if you're off next week if, even if you're not off if you work you want to catch some good high school basketball it is uh it is happening over there at eas 
Uh, we're going to talk more hoops with Coach Amuta about the current UL team, among other things. He was glad that I got the Pelicans out of the way. He said it, it kind of made him <laughs> sick. Uh, they are they are a difficult watch at times. Um, I'm I'm starting to wonder what I'm actually getting out of that relationship, but we'll dig into that and uh, some old UL memories as well. All that and more. Don't go anywhere. It is Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports. Now 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. For those of you listening via the app, it's brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. We're going to bring you off the screen. Check it out. Because I'm a specializer. Prime revisor. Ain't selling out to advertisers. What you What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now, back to more of the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Louisiana Raging Cajun football in action tomorrow against Liberty. We've talked quite a bit about that game. One o'clock pregame tomorrow. Ian Ozan and Richie Falgu have pregame for you. Steve Pelican will be at the Cajun Dome tomorrow calling Raging Cajun women's hoops against UNO. That one will be on Talk Radio 960. Talk Radio 960 tonight is where you can hear Ascension Episcopal's home call. Eric Mutal, Bobby Neveu. On the game against LCA, we got um, Cecilia. That game on in here with Mike Bernard. They call him the Bandit. You got Acadiana High playoff football on Classic Rock 105.1, and we'll be updating all the scores tonight over on our website and the app throughout the night until they all go final. There are 19 teams in and around the Acadiana area that are uh, still in action, still alive in the high school football playoffs. Eric Mouton, our guest, Coach Eric Mouton. He's, again, got a basketball camp happening Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. A lot of kids out of school. It is, uh, excuse me, I had to turn off my mic to sneeze. You can walk up registration, 8.30, and uh, it's from 9 to 12.30, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, pre-K, 4, all the way through 8th grade. You get a snack, you get a drink, and you get, um, you get taught a lot of fundamentals of basketball from Dr. Fundamental Eric Mouton, who also, man, you're a busy guy because you, you you coach AES, you've got uh, the other athletics that you oversee over there, and you also do a lot of the color commentary for ESPN Plus for Raging Cajun basketball. And I look at this year's team, and I know the game Wednesday, you know, sloppy at times, and, and, you know, you look at the free throw line, but I don't want to so much look at a single game as sort of the first the first three games and the current roster. Uh, they've been battling some health issues the last few years. When you got a lot of cards in the deck, things look different, and you got a couple of, dare I say, aces in the deck, uh, at least some Face cards, if you want to, if you want to say that. I mean, Jordan Brown, Greg Williams. You, you got transfers with a lot of experience. I think Georgia State, just based on what they have coming back, I get why they're the favorite in the Sun Belt this year, and and I I wouldn't argue it. 
But uh, Eric, you're 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 in tune with this program. You see him up close. You know a lot of these guys. Where is the talent level for this team compared to some others in the last decade under Coach Marlin? I think it's up there. You know, right there with him. He's had a couple of really good teams that um, had a chance to to do some things in the uh, Sun Belt tournament and also in the maybe get to the NCAA tournament, but injuries, illness, a couple of those things have kind of derailed them over the last uh, 10 years, so to speak. But um, this team is as talented as, as I've seen in a while um, and, and has a chance to be really good. You know you know what you get when you got Theo Akuba inside? And, man, you had Jordan Brown. If you hadn't seen him play yet, Jordan Brown is special. I mean, he was a big-time recruit coming out of high school. His dad played here, Deion Brown. And I know Coach Marlin and staff wanted to get him um, right out of high school. Couldn't land him. He went to Arizona. He went to Nevada. And now he's back, and he's talented. So you got He was, uh, what, the sixth man of the year in the Pac-12 last year? Yes. I mean, yes. That's, uh, that's talent. That's talent. And he, and he came, and right out of the gate, he's showing it. He, he can do it all. He's even stepping back, hit a couple threes the other night. Um, and then Greg Williams. So fun to watch, so explosive. I've seen him play since he was nine years old, same age as Eli. So we played on the same team, did a little all-star together, watched him play AAU. Um, another big-time recruit out of the state that none of the state schools could keep here. Went to St. John's and uh, decided to come back. But once he entered that transfer portal, he had Houston, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Western Kentucky. And then he also had the option to go back to St. John's. So. Uh, Coach Marlin and his staff did a great job of recruiting him to put that Louisiana on his chest, and he's going to be special. You need to get out there uh, and watch him play and watch this team play. They've got um, Marshall uh, next week, Indiana on Sunday. So there's a road trip here. Indiana is not in the top 25. I know Houston is who's coming up later, but they're right outside of it. I think they're if, if you were looking at the receiving votes, they'd be like 27th. Not to mention, you go to Bloomington and you play at Indiana. That's one of the premier college basketball programs. West Florida, Southern Miss, Xavier, Louisiana. No offense to any of those programs. I mean, frankly, the Cajuns were supposed to win those games. They're not favored to win this game Sunday. You talk about an early test on the road, an environment. Great opportunity Sunday night for the Cajuns. What, what are their chances playing at Indiana? I think they have a very good chance. Uh, Indiana was actually on TV the other night. I got a chance to watch them a little bit, and they're similar. You know, both teams are going to come in with good, great athletes and, and a little size, so they'll have some size to match up with Akuba and Jordan down there. Uh, and also Richards. I like Isaiah Richards, number 35, comes off the bench, a big kid, put on some muscle in the offseason. And I think one of the guys that, again, injured over the last couple of years, Kobe Julian. Kobe Julian is talented. I mean, six, uh, six out of Baton Rouge, played at Madison Prep, had a great career over there, and then has battled injuries the last couple of years. Um, but he did lead the Sun Belt as a freshman in scoring uh, 12.8 points a game, led all freshmen. So talented battling some injuries, and he looks healthy. He can get to the basket. He can shoot. And he's also a great passer. So I think Kobe Julian, you know, maybe a lot of people hadn't seen him play over the last couple of years because he uh, was banged up and injured a little bit. But uh, he's another talented wing when you have Greg Williams at uh, 6'3 at the point. Coach Eric Mutzal, our guest. Um, And then it's to Marshall where the Cajuns will play their second 
non-conference game against a team that will be in the Sun Belt soon uh, as they played in Hattiesburg a week ago tonight. But uh, that game, Sunday night, pregame at 6, you can hear here on ESPN Lafayette, as well as News Talk 96.5 KPL. So big game against the Indiana Hoosiers, then Marshall next Tuesday. Uh, Thanksgiving, man, people think football, they think food. I also think basketball because um, there's always a bunch of NBA games on the docket throughout the week. I just remember like being home from, whether if I come home from college back in the day, all I would do is just go watch basketball. That's what I would do. And then at night, and then I'd just watch football during the day, and then I'd just, you know, eat a bunch of Thanksgiving leftovers. So it brings back, like food and sports is what I think about during Thanksgiving. Um, and, you know, wish there had been a camp around when I was a kid to uh, to go check out, like you've got going on at AES next week. Uh, Eric uh, Mouton's basketball camp this Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday over at Ascension Episcopal. So what, what is what is your expectation for UL Hoops this year, Eric? You've seen a couple of games now. I know you're a fan, but you're also an analyst, right? We talked about Georgia State. I mean, where do you think the Cajuns finish in the Sun Belt this year? Ultimately, the goal is winning the conference tournament, right? But to set yourself up, you you got to do a lot between now and then. Yeah, you do. And, and I like what Coach Marlin's doing with this club. I know they preach defense, and they are an outstanding defensive team. You know, Kentrell Garnett, a guy we hadn't talked about yet, is a walk-on. Love that kid, man. Love him. Love that kid. I mean, he gets after it on the defensive end, and he loves that corner shot. You know, they pay so much attention to, to Akuba, Jordan inside, Greg Williams with the ball in his hands. He creates. Kentrell Garnett's going to sit in that corner and knock him down. They, they st- kind of struggled a little bit out of the gate from three. Uh, another shooter, Jalen Dalcourt, another local product, from right here at Lafayette High is going to be another guy who's going to be in the mix uh, into that rotation. And, uh, you know, he's a catch-and-shoot guy, and he can also put it on the floor and score. So the defensive side of the ball, I love what Coach Marlin and his staff is doing on the, on the defensive side. They have been outstanding. And, and we'll see what they can do against Indiana on the defensive end. They're going to have to get stops. They're going to have to rebound the ball. Um, but, you know, they hadn't won an NCAA tournament game since 1992, Scott. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. Who played on that team? I, I can't. I can name a few guys. I can name uh, Marcus Stokes, Cedric Mackeon, Todd Hill, Carol Boudreaux. Feisty, short, funny-looking little white kid that was like a John Stockton wannabe. That's exactly <laughs> what he was. <laughs> I was yeah, that's it. Um, Duke Gay, you know, the lone senior on this team, uh, always bringing energy when he gets in there. You know, it's you got options. And I asked Coach Marlin, like, at what point would you want to have the rotation sort of cemented? And he said... You know, in a, a lot of years, you want to have it cemented early. He's like, we, we we hadn't been healthy, and this year we are, so we have a lot of depth. And so, you know, probably take a little more time, obviously, by conference play. But when Brian A.U. comes back, what's that going to mean for Garnett's role? How's that going to change with him at the off guard? We'll have to see. I, th- I think Garnett's a better shooter. Um, so I think he could move over and, and play a little more off and uh, guard the basketball. But when, when it comes down the court, Greg Williams will have it in his hand, and, sure. and, and he's a playmaker. Um, you're right. We didn't even mention a couple of those guys, but um, you know they they get it done in practice. They work hard in practice. You got to compete. You got to earn your time. You got to earn your minutes, um, and that's a great thing. You know, sometimes teams have five or six guys, and they don't have to work as hard in practice because they know they're going to get theirs. Now there's some minutes out there, and there's some uh, opportunities for some guys to step up and step in. And uh, and I think this team, man, stay healthy. Uh, I think Coach Marlin will get them. You can have all the talent in the world, but if they can't play together, it doesn't matter. So 
I think they'll get them there eventually, man. And I'd I'd, I'd love to see them, uh, and I think they can get it done, get back to the NCAA tournament. Well, they've got the uh, a long way to go. Pensacola, Florida is where the Sun Belt Conference tournament will be in early March, but uh, they got a long way to go before even conference play, and some big ones, including this Sunday against Indiana. But uh, you're starting to see, you know, some of the talent and depth on this roster. Um, Jordan Brown, Theo Kuba, you talk about the bigs on this team. I think the athleticism of the bigs in particular, I think that's going to play well in the Sun Belt this year. You know, it's one thing to have size. It's another to have size that can move. You know, the way Brown can just handle the ball, He's his effort is there, but he also has this kind of like laid-back persona, if that makes sense. It's not like it's too cool for school, I'm not going to try, but it's just his demeanor. It's always just like... It's fine. We're He's good. Smooth. He's you know, smooth. Yeah, it makes it look easy. That's the word. Smooth. He makes it. Um, you look at Kentrell Garnett, and he's got to give that energy. And you oh, see how hard he plays. He, he plays so hard. And Jordan Brown can can be smooth and still be effective. He, he makes it look effortless. Doesn't yeah. mean it, it, it it's effortless, but he kind of makes it look that way. But I, I, that's that's something that I think bodes well once you get to conference play uh, for this basketball team. So how much outside of the Cajuns, how much college basketball do you do you follow versus NBA currently? I, I, when I get home at night after games or after practice, I'll I'll flip through the channels and try to watch some college basketball, but um, don't follow it very much other other than the Cajuns. You know, I'll keep an eye on Mr. Wade over there in, in Baton Rouge. I had a, a player um, go over there and be a manager for him for for four years, so keep an eye on them. But but other than that, I'll try to keep an eye on the state schools and then try to catch some big time games. You know, you always want to sit down and watch a Duke play or a Kentucky play and. Uh, Virginia, teams like that. Uh, see if you can pick up a few things. But um, late at night, I'll get to catch a few college games. LSU beat McNeese last night, 85-46. You mentioned Duke. So this uh, the Krzyzewski farewell tour, I mean, is he just going to get a plaque and a tie everywhere he goes, like week to week? I mean, gonna, things are going to get dragged out a lot. Yeah, they will. It's going to be fun to watch, and it's also going to be fun to see the next chapter of Duke basketball. They've been so good for so long. Can can Shire get it done it there be, the same it'll way? Be, it'll be weird. It will be. It'll be weird. No I, I love to make jokes about Coach K, but I also am not stupid. I know he's, you know, he's he's an all-time great. And um, having someone else at Duke, the guy's been there, what, 34 years, 35? Or no, longer than that. Shoot, he got there when he was in his 30s. Um, he's been, I think he's been at Duke my entire life. That's about right. Yeah. Like, I think I think he, he took over in, what, like 80, I think? I think it was around there. So we're going on 40-plus years. It's like there's some things. I, I always I, it, It's funny when you start thinking about these guys' age. Like last night, apparently, in the NFL game, which I, I caught the end of, uh, wasn't much to see the Patriots destroy the, the Falcons. But at one point, Troy Aikman said something about Belichick and Mac Jones, and he was like, I mean, why would Bill Belichick want to retire? He looks at Mac Jones and thinks he has a quarterback for the next fifteen to eighteen years. And I heard, you know, I heard that. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, but it doesn't because in eighteen years, Bill will be eighty-seven. Oh my goodness! <laughs> like, the, but you. My, my point is like sometimes when somebody is somewhere for so long, you start forgetting how old they actually are, and it's like, oh yeah, Coach K is. Uh, he's. And he looks the same. He's got his hood he's, on. He's getting up there. Well, you know, he, di- he dies that hair like jet black. <laughs> let's not let's not act like he is a reason. I, I don't even know. He might even touch up. Make him. He's seventy four. Um, and um, wow, 
I guess he'll be 75 by the time he hangs it up. So it's a hell of a run. That's a hell of a run. Uh, the NBA, I guess when the Pels are good, you're interested. So therefore, you're not really interested this year? Not too much. I don't have time to catch catch NBA games. You know, I kind of watch what LeBron does and some of those, you know, KD. I just love the talent, love watching those guys play. And then I also love Steph Curry, man, what he's doing and what he can do at can that size. Can I ask you something about that? Sure. I've heard coaches... I've heard youth football coaches, youth, a little bit of high school, mainly youth, and I know you're coaching high school, complain about, simultaneously complain and enjoy Steph Curry. And then in football, maybe this was a few years ago, but Odell Beckham Jr., because they they blame Odell for every kid wanting to just not catch with two hands. And it was like, this drives me crazy. And just sit around, and that's all they do. And then... On the basketball side of it, they're like, man, I, I I remember like youth basketball, you know, just run the play, try to get a close range shot. I mean, you're not, and he's like, now kids just want to try to pull up from like 20 feet all the time, and they're like nine, and he and he says it's totally Steph Curry's fault, but it is like that's that's all Steph Curry there. They watch him do things that no one else can do. I mean, I've been saying for a long time, like he's the best shooter in the history of the game. Oh well, yes, Scott, if he played in the 90s, well, he doesn't. He doesn't. You can say yes if he played back in the day. The Pistons might have, you know, tackled him and and tried to stab him. I mean, the last part is a joke, but very. He didn't. He plays now. So say what you want. He plays in this era, and he's the best shooter in the history of basketball. And he's worked to be that. You know, obviously he probably had a little bit of his dad's shooting touch, and you grow up around the NBA. His dad, Dell Curry, was a great shooter in the NBA, but. You know, the stories you hear about him, you can go to YouTube and see some of his workout videos. He has, you don't get what you want, you get what you work for. And that guy has worked for it, and that's why he's shooting the way he's shooting. He, um, playing in a gym as opposed to playing outside, the goal is different. You know, Tamara Williams for, for Coach Broadhead Squad, you know, a local, she was talking about her first game in the Cajun Home last week and just, you know, it's it's different. The goal's there, everything's different. I, I think Steph, obviously, number one on the list is hard work. Also, think you mentioned his dad being able to grow up and shoot in like NBA arenas constantly. Yeah. That's 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 got to help. That's got to help because at a young age, you're not you're not shooting on your goal in your yard where you know it it hits a backboard a certain way and then it hits the concrete in your driveway and you're just playing with NBA balls and NBA gyms and so you're. You're learning it in a in a different way than, you know, 99.9% of kids learned it at a young age. Yeah, and think about it. He had to come out of high school and went to Davidson. You know, didn't none of the big – Didn't none have the big any offers. No. He's too small. Too small. And then what he did in the NCAA tournament and to get drafted that high at his size and, you know, the, Hornets, the rest is history. The Hornets almost had him. The huh? New Orleans Hornets almost had him. So if you remember early, I know it'll make you sick. If you remember early in Steph's career, he would, he got injured a good bit in the early portion of his NBA career. It wasn't like he came in and oh my god, he's he's going to be an MVP one day. And Chris Paul, who back when you know New Orleans was buzzing about NBA basketball, he was incredible. I love I watched all his games. It was so much fun. He was trying to he was trying to to, to get out, and they had a trade on the table where he was going to go to Golden State. They wanted him. And this is, again, this is before Golden State had won one playoff series in like, you know, 15 years, and it was as an eight seed. It wasn't like they had this wrong run of success. And Paul apparently just, this is just stuff that I've, you know, I've heard and talking to people that that have covered the franchise for years. 
He didn't really want to go there um, and said, no, 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 let's negate that. And so Curry stuck around because he had, he had a lot of ankle issues early. I mean, can you imagine if they had gotten – they? can you imagine? I'm sure they would have screwed it up somehow. But <laughs> if they had gotten Curry – and then there was there was talk at one point before Clay Thompson blew up that they, they wanted Eric Gordon. The Warriors did because they felt like, oh, we, we finally have a, a path to maybe get into the postseason. And um, – you know, a trade, a potential trade was on the table, and then, you know, the, the dumb Hornets asked for too much or something, and it's like, good Lord. So as much as the Warriors have been sort of the standard, it's a reminder that sometimes sometimes you got to get lucky. Like, sometimes you have to be great, and you also have to be lucky as a franchise to win it all. I mean, they they almost dealt, you know, two of the greatest shooters of all time that have been the catalyst for their championships. Um to a franchise that's, you know, never even been to a conference finals. Well, and then you got to have a glue guy. You have, you know, Draymond oh, yeah. Green. You Absolutely. You sprinkle him in there, and those guys shoot the basketball like that. And, man, I didn't know that. That's the kind gotta, of stuff I'm here for, man. You I didn't gotta know that. Get, You got to get lucky, too. It's like Ryan Ramchek, all-pro right tackle for the Saints. He's great. They wanted to draft Reuben Foster. He was sitting there at 31, and the Niners moved up in the draft to take him. And Sean Payton could say all, they were on the phone with him, and they needed a linebacker. And Sean Payton's like, well, no, we always win at Ramsey. No, you didn't. That's who you got because he was next on your board. You have to say he was the guy. Well, Foster has a lot of off-field issues, never really played much, and Ramchek's a multi-time all-pro that's yeah. going to be the, you know your right tackle for a decade. Sometimes, Sometimes you just... It's it's to say that you get lucky isn't an insult. It's part of winning, and I'm sure you, as a player and as a coach, Eric, you can speak to that. To you've been part of championship teams. To win them, you got to be good. You got to have a little luck too. The stars have to align. It really does. The, the you know the draws, the bounces, everything that that goes into it. You know, we won it in '86 and had a better team in '87, and we didn't win it as far on the high school side. So it's they've got to align. You've got to have the right. Uh, mix of players and the right shooters, scores, all of those things go into What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings. Sorry, DraftKings, guys. Go check it out. Um, Dr. Uh, Dr. Fundamental, Coach Eric Muto. Sometimes I just want to call you Dr. Eric Muto, which is funny. Um, I'm okay with that. All right, Dr. Eric Muto. Dr. Fundamental, one more time, Eric, before we, uh, we let you run. Um, I know you're busy. Again, tonight, Ascension Episcopal LCA, uh, big playoff game. You can catch the radio call. Uh, if you can't make it to the game on Talk Radio 960, he and Bobby Novell have the call. 645, Eric's pregame interview every week with Coach Desimo. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, guys. It's Thanksgiving week. Your kids are home. What are you going to do with them? Uh, you should go drop them off at the campus of Ascension Episcopal. Let them be part of Eric's basketball camp. Registration is 830. You can walk up. $95, it, it covers all three days. You get a drink, you get a snack. Your kid's there from 9 to 12.30. They're learning from one of the best basketball minds the area's ever produced. Pre-K, four through the eighth grade. So a long, wide range of, uh, wide age range there. Eric, anything else before I let you run you want to add? Just make sure that is at the UL, uh, the, uh, talking about UL, this is the uh, Youngsville campus. Youngsville campus. We've had a little. We had a few people show up at the downtown campus. We are one school on three different campuses. So, yeah, this is eighteen hundred Shimon Metairie, and uh, you can go online, check it out. Um, our walk-up registration will begin at eight thirty. If you're already registered, 
You can bring them at 8.30. They can get some extra shots up for 30 minutes and get ready for camp. We'll go 9 to 12.30 Monday through Wednesday next week. Always good talking hoops with you, Eric. Thanks for coming in, my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Dan.